Attention. The MILF and Me podcast contains strong language and open conversations about sexuality, a multitude of lifestyles, and occasional criticism of political fuckery. Keep politics out of your pants, folks. Your hosts Antonio and Diana are not certified relationship therapists. We are cynical assholes with microphones, pretty much like every other podcast. And so with that out of the way, enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the MILF and Me podcast. I am your co-host, Antonio, the me of this dynamic, and my other co-host, the MILF in this dynamic, the lovely Diana K. Diana, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. Episode three, feeling pretty good, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I got to tell you, I'm a little bit emotionally shaken this week because of all the research that I've had to do for the topic that we're covering this week. And let me kind of dive into that. I've gotten lost in the rabbit hole of Reddit. Do you ever play around in Reddit? I do sometimes. I'm mostly concerned about your emotions right now. Are you emotionally abused from this, like research? Because I know what you're about to say. A little bit. (laughs) I mean, so I dabble in Reddit now and then when I'm looking for film podcasts and guests or technical advice. I never really go into like those weird subreddits of interesting lifestyles or dating possibilities, but I took a dive into it this week for our topic. So I opened up all these little subreddit channels of Salt Lake City dating and dating in your 40s, Mormon dating, non-Mormon dating, ex-Mormon dating, all these little kind of groups that people have come together to kind of bitch about dating in Salt Lake City. And there is one common denominator. Salt Lake City is a lot smaller than we realize. Oh, is that right? Weird. <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny because like, I maybe mean, because we're here, it feels bigger because we're in it. That sounded weird. I don't know why I said it that way. But um, the idea that we live in a metropolitan of roughly 200,000 people. This is the capital city. It's the largest city in the state. When you combine all the surrounding counties of Salt Lake City, it's just barely a million. The The main population of the state is only 3.1 million. So all of Utah could fit in a small suburb of Los Angeles. Yep, I see that. So the issue there is we call it Small Lake City for a reason. Yes. When you think about how many people are actually in this state and in this city and in our dating pool, the numbers don't really work in the singles' favor especially singles of the late 30s, early 40s persuasions as you and I are. Yes, I know. I know how small it is. So what's your experience with that? Um, well, it's 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 a little bit terrifying, if I'm being honest. When you meet somebody new, you're like, oh, Jesus. I wonder how many common friends we have. Like, who do you know that I know? Oh, my God. And even sometimes... I will actually see somebody I know in one of their photos that's on a profile. I mean, that's kind of a common tale, right? I don't connect with those people. <laughs> Which makes your numbers even lower. Yeah, I mean, when you're, when you're playing the odds, the odds are not in our favor. So here are some statistics for Small Lake City. So we are actually the lowest percentage of singles in the country 
at 38% single in the main metropolitan of Salt Lake City. And to make things even worse, there are 4% more single men than there are single women. Now, do you feel that? Because when I was out on the dating scene, especially in these online apps, there was this trend that I noticed that if you had maybe three or four dating apps, it's almost like when you're going through a catalog of colors at the Home Depot when you're trying to paint your house, you eventually start all over again. And you're like, oh, is that it? <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's, I've had that experience. Yeah, I run out of options real quick. No, it's um, it, those statistics don't surprise me whatsoever because people get married. And they stay married even if they're unhappy. There's not a lot of singles here. There's not a lot of options. Well, I also feel, too, that a lot of those people, we talked about this in episode one, where they get married young. They maybe fall apart in their relationship right after. It almost makes sense where I think there are a lot of women who are going out and trying to like maybe play the field a little bit and find their next partner but then the men in those situations, they either shut down or they just go buck wild and cycle through the available singles in Salt Lake City and try their best not to get attached. Yes, that is a regular occurrence. So you, uh, Utah ABC News 4 put out this article last year about loneliness in Salt Lake City. So the article reads, not a good sign if you are looking for love in Utah after a recent loneliness study found that Utah has the lowest percentage of singles than any other state in the country. In the study conducted by Move.org, they said they determined that the loneliest places to live by percentage of single individuals versus married ages 20 and older by loneliness is here in the state of Utah. Utah ranked 51st with a romantic index of three, having only 38.1% of the population single and the number one top search inquiry for those singles was date ideas. So people don't even know how to date in Utah. They have to fucking <laughs> Google it. Yep. <laughs> Sounds about right. We are very special. We are a special state here. Slim pickings for MILFs, too, because the average dating age on dating apps in Salt Lake City is 19 to 27. And we do not fit in those dating ranges. No, MILFs have a very difficult time with this. So here's my question. When you are out on the prowl on those dating apps, what do you set your age parameters to? I'm not quite a cougar. I haven't like gone below my age group. So I stay right around my age, 41, 42, um, to actually 55. When I was playing the game, like I kind of just looked at what other people my age were setting their age range to. I didn't know what I was doing, right? Yeah. So let's say I was 33 when I first kind of started getting onto these apps. I would look at what the female equivalent of myself would be on these apps and try and focus theirs. But I noticed a disturbing trend. Their trend, it never really went above 40, but it went all the way down to 18. Uh -huh. Like a 33-year-old woman was fine dating an 18-year-old guy, but they were not fine dating anyone over 40. Yeah, that's very bizarre because women are general. I mean, we saw, we talked about this in one of our other episodes that women mature quicker than men. So that is very disturbing that a woman would go for somebody way younger than her. That's So it made me think of two things. Either they're just looking for a sexual adventure or if they are looking for a partner, they don't want an old dad if they choose to have a child with them. And I that's such a Utah thing because – I have lots of friends that live in Los Angeles. Most people are having babies at like 35 and 36. Mm -hmm. They're waiting for their careers to take off. They're waiting for 
their life to kind of settle. I mean, it's impossible to buy a house there. So they have more financial security. They have more security in general when they're older that they're choosing to have kids a little bit older. Yes. That's not the case here. No, absolutely not. I mean, you said it. It's like that everywhere else in the world except for Utah. Yeah. I mean, it just, everyone gets married young. They start having babies and... There is going to be a point, and it's guaranteed, as you are cycling through your options on these dating apps, that you are going to either connect, match, or potentially hook up with someone who is already either inside your social circle or a potential partner's social circle, and you're just going to have to be okay okay with that yeah but I'm not so I am just very extra picky that's why it's probably extra hard for me in general is because this state town everything is so small and not only I don't want to connect with somebody that I know their friends or their friends know me I mean I've been doing this for 10 years that's next to nearly almost impossible but every now and then there's a miracle that happens and I'll meet somebody that doesn't know the same people I know. And that's when we celebrate. That's like, oh, this is awesome. And even he agrees too, just so you know, when we have this conversation on our first or second day, he's like, yeah, this is awesome. You know, people don't like that. It doesn't have anything to do with we have a bad past and we don't want their friends to be sharing information about us from our past. It's not that. It's just we want a clean slate. We want to be with somebody that doesn't know our people. Like, why can't we have that? Why can't we have a clean slate? It's very impossible. It's almost impossible to find that. Well, also, Salt Lake City is like a fucking knitting circle of gossip. Everybody has a story about pretty much anyone. I've actually dealt with the situation myself where I was dating someone for maybe like a week or two. We start talking about exes or people we know. I start talking shit about a date that I had with someone and they were able to actually figure out who I was talking about without me even mentioning their name because the story had already gotten around their circle of friends. It happens all the time. Yes, my worst nightmare. Have you ever yeah. been on the receiving end of that? Have they ever bitched about you and you're like, wait, that story you're telling is me? <laughs> no, thank God, <laughs> no. Uh, uh I mean, but I will get off topic here for just a second because this is how small this place is. My ex-husband saw my sister on a dating app. She has since divorced from her high school sweetheart, um, but he he saw her on the dating app. I don't know if they connected. I swear to God, I hope not. But I think he swiped the other direction, but he saw her profile on the dating app. My sister, he and I were married for 10 years. Shit's creepy. It is creepy. I've had past employers try to match with me, forgetting that I worked for them. I'm like, <laughs> don't you remember that I worked for you at some point and you thought I was a piece of shit yeah. <laughs> and now you're trying to connect with me? You just forgot. It is so interesting. It is because if it is, it, I mean, I've come across guys on, you know, because I've taken breaks. I'll get into a relationship, get rid of my dating apps, and then I'll get back on. And I've actually come across guys that we connected back two or three years ago. And then we connected again. And then it starts the conversation. Oh, look, it's you again. You know, and it's like, oh, you again, too. How's it going? Like you're living the life. You're living the dream. Um, that situation happened recently. And this gentleman and I met up for the first time after seeing each other like two or three years ago on the dating app. And it was awesome. It was cool to meet him finally. Mm -hmm. um, there was nothing that came of it, but it was cool. It is. It's like a cycle. It's like a vicious cycle. Like if you don't connect... Maybe if I don't connect with you this time, maybe I'll see you in a couple of years. 
Yeah, there is like this weird kind of camaraderie with some people. You you made a good point. I have connected with other people on the dating apps with years of gaps in between. And it is kind of interesting because maybe there was something in their profile or their profile picture that maybe stuck with you or maybe sparked a little bit. Not enough to make that initial connection or reach out, but it kind of stuck with you in your brain. Like, oh, I remember that girl with the blue hair. Remember that girl that was a skateboarder and you like skateboarding, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then maybe after a relationship fails and then you go back to the dating apps and you see that they're still out there and they've changed. Maybe they've changed their hairstyle. Maybe they've changed careers, but they're still out there. And now they seem a little bit more put together more in control of their life and that's more attractive to you and then you make that initial connection like that has happened yep absolutely and that is why we connected again i think is because maybe there were less photos of him and all his buddies boating or something <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it it does it happens it ha- actually happens way more often i could i could go on and on and on about these stories for sure when we were back in episode 1 and we were talking about the idea that you have kids i have kids and when you are older like us with kids it's harder to find someone that wants to be in these kids lives i'm not saying a new dad i'm not saying a new mom i never put that that pressure out there mm-hmm. it is eventually going to be a conversation that will come up of like well if we do choose to spend the rest of our lives together where do I fit in mm-hmm. this dynamic? I'm kind of in this this way right now, you know, with my fiance. She has such a motherly and maternal energy towards my son from another marriage that it just works without having to use the language, without having to say, this is your new mommy. No, she is just who she is. Mm-hmm. But she has that maternal energy. We have the baby together that helps. When you are having these initial conversations with these people that you're meeting on these apps, because you date more than I did. Mm -hmm. What is the proper amount of time to start having those conversations with these people? Um, I like to have them pretty early. I mean, I don't know if it's a first date conversation, but sometimes it is towards the end of the evening. And usually it's something they might bring up. Um, And for me, it's a little different because I do have three kids. That's a little bit more intimidating than someone with just one. Right. And I'm a mom, single mom, and some men automatically think that, oh, she's a single mom. She has three kids and kind of talk to me like I'm a broken bird. And that's not Mm. the case. And I want to make sure they know that really early on. Like I've been doing this a very long time. I have my shit together. My children are amazing. On the flip side of that too, I'm very protective of my um, ex-husband and the relationship he has with my children. And I make sure that I bring that up, like I said, first, second date. So they understand my children do not need a dad. They have an amazing dad, an amazing father. He has a great career. He's always there. He's even, you know, if I need extra help or the schedule needs to be switched up because of me, he is right there to do it, pick up the pieces. Um, So I make sure they understand that. Like I'm not having someone come into my life and totally push him aside or come in where they don't need to, you know, and I say you would just be the bonus adult. That's what we call it. Bonus adult, bonus, adult. Um, bonus dad, even though it's he's not a dad. But, you know, I've dated guys that don't have kids, so they really are not a dad. They don't have that title. So a bonus adult, it's awesome because then you have me, my ex-husband, and then this bonus adult, like someone to just kind of help out. Um, and they have to be very open and loving and okay with the fact that I have a good, healthy co-parenting relationship with my ex-husband. 
as we're talking about these percentages and these analytics that really don't work in our favor. In a way, they kind of do. Because if you get these conversations out of the way early and you find people that have a very similar expectations of the relationship that you have, you can spend less time and energy and emotions on wading through the yes men or the yes women who are just waiting and going through these endless cycles of dates where maybe one person is getting emotionally attached, the other one is still reserved as they are trying to figure out, is this the person to be with? I think the fact that A, we have kids, A, we're older, and we have expectations of what we want in people who are going to share our kids' lives with us, it gives us less time for bullshit and it makes our bullshit detector that much stronger. Yeah, I've been in awkward situations with men that um, they don't have their own kids and they were great around me. You know, like we had gone on four or five dates, maybe even six, and he was, I'm talking about this one person in particular that I'm thinking of, um, and he was wonderful around me, had a great energetic personality. He was funny. And then I had him come over for a game night with me and the kids and he was mute. Mm. He was awkward and he didn't know how to act. And he was just, and it made me feel awkward. And so that was a huge red flag for me. It's like, you have to adapt and you have to adjust. You have to be very adaptable, adjustable, and resilient when you come around my family and kids, because my kids are not shy. They're very forward. They're up front. They're like, hell's wrong with this guy, mom. What the fuck's (laughs) going on right now? It's very awkward. And it was too bad because like I said, he was great. We probably could have dated, but just that one scenario really, really made me look at everything differently. So to wrap up this particular conversation for the people that are in the minority of these analytics, like you and I are, because when you say 38.1% single, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that in our dating pool, Make that more like 5% is what our options are. Uh What's your advice to people who are currently swimming in that pool? Here's a life vest. (laughs) (laughs) Here's a life vest. Learn how to swim or get the fuck out. Yeah, no, just be patient. I mean, there's, there's people out there. You just have to make sure you remember who you are and what you want and don't ever stray from that. I mean, what would we do without you here to help us dissect these dating app profiles? Each week, you've brought us a new subject or a new profile to deconstruct. What have you got for us this week? This is just a generic under the umbrella of all profiles that I've been seeing and noticing a lot is um, people are forgetting to smile. It's like terrifying. You see some of their photos and it's not just one picture of them not smiling. It's every single one of them. If it was only one photo, I would not bring this up. I mean, that's just silly. But when you post every single one of your photos on your profile and you look pissed, angry, mad. Overly serious. Just fucking pissed. It's like, you know what? Even if I just wanted a one night stand, I still wouldn't connect with this guy because he's fucking weird. The one, not, like smile. The one that you showed me a minute ago, the guy looked like he was constipated. <laughs> yeah. It's like, are you trying to take a shit? Are you pissed? Are you mad? Did someone piss you off today? Was traffic bad? Like, what the fuck's your problem? Smile. And it's such like a contradiction in terms when we hear people tell women, 
you'd be so much prettier if you smile and it's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, that's real life though. Mm-hmm. Like you said in episode one, this is your resume. Yeah. You should be showing a whole level of emotions, right? Yeah. You should have your smiling. Think of it as a headshot for an audition, right? Yeah. Like I can play happy. I can play serious. I can play professional. Yeah. I can play sensual. You're, you're wanting to see that, right? Yes. Yeah. You want to see as much as you can to get that connection started. You're not even going to get the connection started with anybody if you just have shit that's on your profile. I mean, this is this is the topic. Post some shit of you smiling. I remember one person that I connected with when we finally went out on our first date. One of the first things they mentioned to me is you always have your eyebrows raised and it causes a crease in your forehead. Now, here's something that I found interesting. For one, I took that as good criticism and constructive commentary on future profiles, it also made me now insecure about a crease in my forehead. (laughs) And the rest of the conversation, that's all I thought about. I was like even catching myself looking at my reflection in my glass of water and like, holy fucking shit, that's a huge wrinkle (laughs) in my forehead. I never noticed that before. But I was appreciative of that commentary because even though we didn't connect, it made me go back and change some of my profile pictures because I did have a very consistent look in most of them. Smiling or not smiling, I do just subconsciously raise my eyebrows and have this crease across my forehead. Now, I know that's superficial, but I think there is some valuable information there where if you change up your personality and not just keep this serious, sinister, menacing face in all your profile pictures, at least you are starting the conversation with your potential mate that they recognized features in your face. They liked you well enough from your pictures to want to see more than what you were just giving them. Yeah, exactly. They remembered, they like made a mental note and that's that's something, right? I mean, if you want to take it serious, put serious action into your profile. <laughs> you know, like pay attention to what pictures you're posting, pay attention to what you're doing. Are they all selfies? Are you in the gym in front of a mirror the entire time? Are you smiling? I mean, you just, you don't want to like be over the top. You don't need to be happy and cheesy and stupid in all your photos, but you can't look pissed in each one of them either. That's just really weird. It's really, really bizarre. And for this week's Love Guru, I found a guy, and I kind of took a deep dive on this guy's page. Again, we don't say names here. We don't tell you which sites we found these on. We just want to go in as clean as possible when we talk about these. But one of the things that I've started noticing as I've been watching these Love Gurus and listening to their advice, there is something about someone who can truly communicate their, their mission in life to you they want to help you. They are coming from a, a viewpoint of like, we know you're troubled. We know that you have insecurities and we know that you've made a lot of mistakes in your relationships. Let me help you. I have found plenty where it's just like, hey, dumbass, listen to me. This is what you need to do. And we're going to play some of those eventually. But I'm just so drawn to these more positive ones that these are the ones I've been picking out for us first. So let me know what you think about this guy. 
Okay. You probably think you've been in love before, but I promise you, most of you never been in love and I teach you why. Most partners actually don't care about each other. They care about how the other person can make them feel. This is why one day someone will tell you, oh, I love you so much, and they really think they love you, and then on the other day or when they break up, they hate you, tell everybody you're a gaslighter or a narcissist. Because as soon their feelings changed, also their opinion of you changed. So most people aren't attracted to each other based on love, they're attracted to each other based on emotional addictions. So what do you think about that first part? Um, I can see where he's coming from, but that is very, very toxic. It's toxic in the sense that this is dealing with toxic personalities, which I'm going to be completely honest with you. I've had more toxic personalities in my love life than I've had non-toxic. So have I. That's how I'm able to recognize this um, more so now. Yeah. And I think you and I have both dealt with enough people who continue to get into toxic relationships and stay in them. And there is something to that. Now, I'm not saying this advice is for everybody. This guy's got uh, all these different channels and all these different streams of information on his page. This one stuck with me because Utah is toxic. It is. Um, there's so many things wrong with this. Um, I'm not a therapist. Mm -hmm. Someone can't make you feel a certain way. Like that's right. all in you, you know, like if you're in a relationship with someone and you're madly in love with them, it has nothing to do with the way that person makes you feel. It's because you are in love with them. It's because they have the things and do the things and you feel good when you're with them, not they make you feel good. But honestly, how many of those have you had compared to the other? <laughs> I don't even know a number, but a lot less. A lot less. Let's continue. They're attracted to people who give them the cold shoulder and the toxic relationships, the hot and cold games, because that's the same way how drug addictions work. Withdrawal, drug, withdrawal, drug. They show me the cold shoulder, I got a little bit of drugs. I get a cold shoulder, drug. If you want to continue having drug addiction relationships and you don't want to experience real love, then you should not continue watching this video. To recover from emotional addictive relationships, we have to do a very similar thing to what drug addicts do to recover. We have to be okay with the uncomfortable emotions, not being pulled in by these emotions. So there's a lot of words there. But this is, yeah. this is what I got from this because this is something that I've honestly dealt with in Utah. I hate the word, but we... We live in a patriarchal society here in conservative Utah. What I've seen that done to both men and women is create these expectations that you, as a man, deserve the woman. The woman doesn't really have a lot of say. You need to be a good homemaker. You need to be a good spouse. And you need to be a good mom. There are some interesting contradictions as people get older, especially in the financial times where it's like you're already doing all these things to support your spouse by being a good mom, by being there for a homemaker, by being all these other things. But because the expectation of a lot of men, and I'm not going to say all of them, but a lot of men in this, in this area, that should just be your day-to-day -day habit. What else are you doing on top of it? Where is your financial support in this? Where is your contribution to the household other than the normal expectations of being a mom or being a supportive spouse? What it does, like we talked about in episode one, is when those marriages end, when those relationships end, mm -hmm. and these women or men, because it kind of works both ways sometimes, go out into the dating field, they bring these toxic ideas to the dating pool. Yes. 
And so when they have these relationships with people like you or me who are just naturally nurturing and supportive, they are so used to what they experienced in their previous marriage or relationship that they start bringing that energy that they had put on them into your relationship. Yes, for sure. That brings me to something that um, we'll talk about later, but I will just put this in there. There's a healing process when you get divorced. Like you can't be jumping into dating after you've been separated or divorced because of what you just said. You bring in these ideas, you bring in these habits or whatever it is from your old marriage. And if that didn't work out for you, what makes you think it's going to work out with this next person? It has nothing to do with the person. It's the person you're looking at in the mirror. You need to chill out and just heal and go through it and get rid of this toxic bullshit. But a lot of people just want to jump in and get started. Like, let's go. I'm ready to get married again. No, you're not. Like I thought I was too soon after my divorce and I couldn't be any more wrong, you know, and think everything happens for a reason. I was engaged a year and a half after my divorce. And uh, luckily for me, that didn't work out because I would never be who I am today. You know? Yeah. These, (laughs) these gurus crack me up. It's true. And like we said, it's subjective. You are going to take from whatever they say based on whatever your life experience is. The reason why this one kind of touched me a little bit is because when I got out of my marriage, I immediately jumped into another relationship with someone much younger and especially toxic. But because I was so fresh out of my divorce, so fresh out of my relationship, I allowed the toxicity just to become a part of our relationship because in my mind, I thought, yeah, this is the best it's ever going to get. Yeah. I undervalued myself so much. And I think at the end of the day, that's what he's saying, where he said he had to recondition his brain to get out of these toxic expectations just because he, they were so desperate for company, desperate for love. You, you do have to kind of put yourself in an isolation tank. Yeah. You have to let people who've been through it talk to you and let you know what you're doing is bad, not only for you, but for future partners. And to top it all off, we've got kids. Yep. We can't start bringing these toxic ideas and toxic natures that we've developed over the years and let them see that and start creating toxic futures for themselves. That's right. Yep. I mean, you hear this everywhere. You have to be whole yourself before you get in. I mean, I don't necessarily agree with that at the end of the day. I feel like you can be still be going through stuff and meet someone and they can, you know, you can still be starting a relationship. However, you really do need to get real comfortable with Mm. who you are and be okay being alone. Once you get, and I'm not saying that everyone should have this. It just, this is what has worked for me. Once I started feeling really, really comfortable in my own skin and thinking, you know what? there is a chance I might not meet someone, you know, and that's where I am right now. And it's a comforting feeling to not be having such high expectations of myself and everyone around me to make me happy. I'm good. Yeah. By myself. And at the end of the day, we can also say, or not, or don't. You do you. Exactly. You know, we, like I said, we are not therapists. We are not relationship experts. Solely speaking, just from experience and everyone's experience is different. But I would say at the end of the day, despite the delivery and a lot of the words that were said, I understand that because I I don't have an addictive personality. Yeah, I don't either. I'm not a love addict. I'm not a food addict or drugs or alcohol. I've never really had any of those things. Mm -hmm. 
But what I do have, I'm not going to say an addiction to, but a strong desire to do is to please people, Mm -hmm. but also make everything feel status quo. Yeah. So when you try and force that on someone who doesn't have that personality, you are just as bad as they are. Yeah, the expectations are too high and it's it's really setting yourself up for failure any relationship. now comes that moment at the end of the show where we ask Diana what what is going on with the MILFs these days bringing the MILF worthy for the week Diana what do you got for us well this is gonna come plug your ears Antonio you can't hear this (laughs) ear muffs everyone (laughs) so I think this is very important for women to always have I call them pussy wipes (laughs) <laughs> I knew you'd like this one. Oh, and just man. so you, I, you all know, I did not talk to Antonio about this before nope. we started this episode. <laughs> so this is all a surprise for him. Um, no, it, they're amazing. It, you have them in your purse. They come in little tiny packets. They kind of look like a little hand sanitizer. Like when, you know, when you're on the airline or after your meal, when you're eating ribs or something, you know, those little packets, those little hand wipes. That's There's what a it barrage like. of imagery right That's now. That's what those look like, but those are not the pussy wipes. Those are just <laughs> for your hands. I'm talking about the actual real pussy wipes. So you find these in the section. So Target, wherever it is you shop, I shop at Target. It's in the section with the feminine products. Mm. And um, I'm hoping that a lot of women already know about these. Um, but they're just in a little box and they're just individual little wipes. And you just keep them with you. Everywhere you go. I mean, I take them with me when I'm going out dancing with my friends or if I'm going on a, a date, maybe like you just have something to make you feel fresh and clean. And that is definitely milf worthy for sure. Gotta okay. Have, gotta have pussy wipes. I am all about this. There is a manly equivalent of this. There's a brand out there called Dude Wipes. Do they come in individually wrapped things though? They do. No. They do. Really? They're in there. I've seen Our photographer is nodding his head. He knows <laughs> there is a brand called Dude Wipes, and you usually find them either in the man section or in the toilet paper section, where you can either buy like a box of single serve or really individually wrapped. And I am so grateful for this because I've always been about, let's say, ball freshness. You know, <laughs> you always want to make sure that whatever you've got going on, it's going to be the least offensive most pleasant experience for whoever you're doing it there's with there's nothing worse than nothing worse especially <laughs> especially you and I grew up and this is going to get a little nasty here earmuffs <laughs> here we go you and I grew up grew up in the rave generation right late 90s early 2000s yep. you were married i'm sure you at least went to one house party or something but when you are up all night on molly dance into house music, you are a bag of shit in the morning. And if you end up with somebody, it is not anything pleasant. So I learned this a long time ago. To see that someone out there had the marketing power to think of, oh, we need to make people's balls smell better. (laughs) We need to make people feel more confident about their lady bits. Mm -hmm. They are branding it and selling it. 
that is to me the Lord's work right there. Like yeah. give that person the Nobel prize. Absolutely. Yeah. So just to let you know, I was not going to raves or house parties back in, in the days that you were. Um, <laughs> however, I'm experiencing that a little bit now. Yeah. And that is why it's a MILF worthy product because here I am 41 and I do want to be extra fresh, extra clean. I mean, I've wanted that forever, but these, this product is amazing because it comes in different brands, different scents. Um, my vagina is very sensitive. So I go with the unscented or lightly scented, but, um, they got, they got our backs. Like these manufacturers, these products, these people, whoever it is that's sitting around the conference room tables saying, Hey, we need some wipes for fucking, we need pussy wipes. We need ball wipes. Let's, let's go. I feel this is going to be an episode on its own eventually, but we'll let that happen later. <laughs> well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us on episode three of the MILF and me podcast. We've just got a lot of great episodes coming up. And if you've got any suggestions for your MILF worthy or DILF worthy, like I threw out there today, yes. products, please hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, or on our website, themilfandmepod.com. And just keep tuning in. We got a lot of great stuff for you. Diane, anything else? No, no. Thank you so much. I had a blast as always. All right. We'll see you next week, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>